have so say I see the world in light I see the world in wonder I see the world in life Bursting living color I see the world your way And I'm walking in the light Have you ever seen the wonder In the air Church. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the student ministries director, and I would just love to welcome you to this online digital service. 
We at La Jolla Community Church offer three wonderful opportunities for you to engage in worship and in ministry. The first opportunity that we have is actually right here online. We have a weekly online service that usually gets posted in the evening. The beginning will have a beautiful, beautiful worship set that we have recorded and put together for you guys, followed by a weekly message led by Pastor Steve. These are wonderful, poignant messages that speak to the life and the heart of our church. The other two options you have for worship are actually here in person on campus, first being at 9 a.m. we have a morning service, uh, worship to start, followed by a message by Pastor Steve. Uh, everybody is on the lawn, socially distanced, everybody wears their mask, and everybody is safe and healthy. The second option we have, after we sanitize and clean every chair and table that gets used, we have an 11.30 a.m. family service led by myself, um, and it focuses a little bit more on the kids, so the service is a little zanier, a little more high energy, but if any of those sound interesting to you, please feel free to join, and of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at ljcc.org. Hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful day, and we hope to see you at one of our amazing worship opportunities. Well, Christ is risen. Now what? Following Jesus' resurrection, we ask the question, well, where do we go from here? Last week, we were talking about setting our hearts on things above. Today, we're talking about setting our minds on things above. And... Uh, a mind is a pretty interesting thing, don't you think? Uh, how's your mind doing these days? Uh, are you feeling bored out of your mind? Are you feeling frustrated out of your mind? Uh, are you feeling peace of mind? Uh, how about this? When was the last time you had a crazy dream? Uh, did you wake up in the middle of a dream and say, okay, I, I, I want different dreams. Uh, do you tell yourself what to dream? Do you, do you try to figure out your dreams? How about this? Uh, do you ever say things you didn't mean to say? Do you ever swap words, uh, pick the wrong word for the occasion, and wonder, how did that happen? It's your brain. It's your mind. And uh, we're going to talk about setting our minds on, on the things above today. Uh, Jory Fleming. Jory, J-O-R-Y. Jory Fleming. Dr. Jory Fleming uh, is autistic. As you know, autism is a neurological condition, uh, which means that there are structural, biochemical, electrical abnormalities in the brain. Uh, we know now autism is a, is, a, is a wide spectrum. And so Jory Fleming, 26 years old, is autistic. He's also a Rhodes Scholar and a research scientist at the University of South Carolina. He's also a Christian. And he would say he has challenges navigating relationships. Well, don't we all? But his, his challenges are a bit more acute because he, he has a hard time uh, interpreting uh, visual cues, emotional cues, uh, picking up nuances and subtleties in the way people interact with one another. So Jory has a book that addresses his issues. He's 26, as I said. Uh, but in college, somebody gave him this manual that described emotional interactions uh, between people. And so he depends on this book. And he would say, uh, I love this book because it's so specific. It's so step by step and helping me interpret, understand, navigate my way through the complexities of relationships. And, and the neat thing about Jory is that he trusts people to guide him. He asks for feedback. He asks for people to uh, help him uh, make his way through uh, the emotional minefield uh, that our relationships. Uh, 
he will tell people, uh, here's who I am, here's what I'm like. And so he'll set them up uh, so they understand uh, what he's trying to do. And, and it, so I love the fact that, I, though I've never met Jory, uh, having read about him, I love that his humility and his capacity to use his brain, use his mind in a way that allows him to achieve his highest potential. It's fantastic. And so Jury has a larger frame of reference. Uh, a woman who inter- interviewed him, Emily Bobrow, describes it in the Wall Street Journal this way. He is buoyed by his Christian faith. Mr. Fleming has found comfort in a bond that feels both uncomplicated and loving. Isn't that a great description? And then Jory says this about himself. My relationship with my creator is a relationship that I don't have to work at much at all. That's what the unconditional love of God does for us. That's what the grace of God does for us. That's what uh, God's presence in our life does for us. Uh, In the midst of life being so complicated, we find that responding to his love uh, is not that complicated. We just simply have to put our hope and our, our trust in Him. We've got to open ourselves to Him. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love the way Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3 of his letter to them. He said, since then you have been raised with Christ. He's, ask, he's asking the now what question and answering it. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The picture of authority and credibility. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The structure of of this part of Paul's letter uh, reads like one of the Hebrew Psalms. The Hebrew Psalms are parallel lines. Uh, The first line uh, makes the point and the second line repeats it in in a different way. Uh, So it's a couplet. Uh, So two lines really is one idea. And so we see that here. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, setting our minds on things above, it's not literally above. That's that's a figurative speech. It's a way of saying beyond uh, this world that we see. There's a higher and better reality for understanding who we are and how to live in this world. And so not focusing on earthly things isn't saying become irrelevant or hide from the world. It's saying the way our world is ordered undermines the way we have been ordered by God, created by God to function. And so there's an inherent conflict there. And so if you focus your life just on earthly things, you miss the larger frame of reference, that larger perspective for your own life. So we focus on things above, not so that we'll be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, as somebody has said, but rather so that having focused on things above, we see life day to day in this world uh, for what it is. It's a gift from God. It's a way to walk with God. It's a way to engage um, everything in this world from the perspective of the God who created it. So the first idea of the morning would be this. Setting your mind on Christ is giving Him your attention as you navigate life. Now you might not be watching this in the morning, but this morning as I'm giving this message. Setting your mind on Christ is giving Him your attention as you navigate life. So it's about focus, about paying attention to God. How's that going for you? Uh, Are you paying attention to God? Or are you avoiding God? Or perhaps uh, you've had some 
bad experiences uh, with people and God, and so uh, you're not spending much time with God. Or perhaps it feels more comfortable for you uh, to say that, you know, uh, I have put God over here and the rest of my life is over here. But God wants us to be uh, in an intimate relationship with Him that integrates everything in our life. And so focusing and paying attention to God is about coming into our fullest expression of life and experience of life. It's not just about having a brain and a mind, it's about using it wisely. Uh, if you ever say, have read the book or seen the movie this, the, the Wizard of Oz, uh, it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, uh, if your kids haven't seen it, uh, your grandkids haven't seen it, for sure sit down and watch it with them. But uh, in one of the conversations between the Scarecrow and Dorothy, the Scarecrow is lamenting the fact that he says, I haven't got a brain, only straw. Dorothy says, well, how can you talk if you haven't got a brain? The Scarecrow says, I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? And Dorothy says, yeah, I guess you're right. If I only had a brain. But we do have a brain. And we have a mind that's supported by that brain. And so how are we using them? Are we setting them on things above or are we setting them on things uh, not above? And in that case, are we missing something? We have one of the most amazing uh, things in our head, our brain. Quite impressive. And neuroscience seeks to understand the relationship between brain and mind. Because we have a brain that supports our mind, but our mind can tell our brain what to do. Uh, When you want to turn left, it's your mind saying, hey, I, I want to turn left. And your brain does that. It's not like you're walking down the street and all of a sudden your brain decides to turn left and you start going like this. So you have a brain and a mind. And neuroscience is trying to understand that. Uh, it's, it's trying to apply that knowledge to improve our experience in the world. Uh, is our mind simply the result of brain, biochemical, and electrical processes? How do we account for consciousness, for creativity, for, for emotion, for spirituality? for the source of good and evil thoughts and behaviors. Uh, neuroscience looks at these things. Now, now, neuroscience can't answer the larger questions of meaning and purpose in life, but it does a great job of helping us understand the complexities and the beauty of what God has done in giving us a brain and a mind and, and providing us the capacity to use it. Uh, and now you could ask the question, well, why do bad things happen in the world? Well, our brains are broken, our minds are bent. Uh, so Jory Fleming is autistic. Uh, people have strokes. Uh, people have all kinds of issues with their brain and their mind. Uh, one of the sad things is there's 50 million people in the world right now uh, suffering from dementia. 4.2% of American adults have been diagnosed with some serious kind of mental disease, mental illness. We live in a fallen world being redeemed by God and he wants to redeem and renew uh, our, our minds in spite of the fact that our brains don't always cooperate. The adult human brain weighs about three pounds. Amazing to think about, this mass uh, weighing three pounds. 75% of it is water, and 30% of it is fat. This might explain for you some of those bad dates you've had over the years. You're dating somebody, you're going out with somebody whose brain is 75% water and 30% fat. And that fat is cholesterol fat. Uh, 
Uh, can you imagine on a dating site if, if that was one of the things, hey, tell us about the water content of your brain and the fat content of your brain. Well, you know, my brain is, no, you don't do that. Uh, men's brains over time uh, become smaller than women's brains. Now, I don't even want to comment on that. I, I accept it as a fact, uh, but really no comment necessary. And short-term memory is about, short-term memory is about, I remember. Did I mention that men's brains are smaller than women's brains? Yeah, I think I did. Uh, the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts every day. Now, you might think that's ridiculous. There's no way. Well, uh, research has shown that we have 12,000 to 60,000, it's a big range, 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts every day. Now, the wild thing is 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as we had yesterday, the day before that, the day before that. And 80% of those thoughts that we have every day are negative. We live in a fallen world. We have broken brains and bent minds. Well, can we change our toxic thinking? The good news is, yes, we can, by setting our minds on things above. By setting our mind on things above. Short-term memory lasts however long it lasts. Long-term memory lasts how long it lasts. But we are forever. People are forever. The Word of God is forever. So having uh, the capacity and making the commitment, setting our minds, our brains and our minds on things above, is preparing us to have the fullest expression, as I said, the fullest experience of the life that God created us for. So the Bible instructs us to acquire knowledge that leads to wisdom. Knowledge itself is just not enough. Knowledge is knowing more stuff. Wisdom is the capacity to do something creative with it, to live well, to make decisions that honor, glorify God, and bless people. So knowledge is important, it's essential, but what we do with that knowledge is even more so. And so wisdom is the outcome that we're looking for knowing what to do with the knowledge that we accumulate. And this is why setting our minds on things above gives us access to all the resources of God in rightly discerning what it means to be a fully alive human being. The Bible says it this way in James's letter, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Pure means not diluted or adulterated with any other substance, uncontaminated. Pure, uncontaminated. That's how we want our water and our food, right? That's how we want the blood supply in the nation, uh, pure and uncontaminated. Uh, that's how we want the oceans and the air uh, to be. Pure, uncontaminated, not mixed with things that are toxic. That's the, that's the wisdom of God, is pure. It's peace-loving. That is, it, it extends the shalom of God uh, to others. It's considerate. That's showing careful thought, considering the needs of others. It's full of mercy, a heart for others and, and the things that afflict them. That's empathy, right? Compassion. We care about people's experience of life. We want to come alongside and, and, and help them and care for them in appropriate ways. That's what being full of mercy is all about. 
uh, good fruit. Those are qualities and behaviors that bless others. What a gift it is to be around people who have character qualities and, and have developed skills and have made the commitment to care about other people and bless them. It says that this wisdom is impartial. It's not ranking people, but welcoming them as equals in God's image. We live in a world where we want to rank order everybody and everything. And to be impartial isn't to not be discerning about quality or excellence. It's all the same. People are all the same because people aren't. People are different. But we're all uniquely uh, unrepeatable miracles of God's uh, handiwork. And so we take that very seriously when we look at this wisdom from heaven and saying people are precious. Only people count. And finally, sincere. And sincere means to have integrity without cracks. Uh, it comes from a Greek word that was applied to pottery, crockery. If you're going to buy some plates or bowls, uh, cooking um, uh, utensils in the ancient world, you'd want to know, is this sincere? Is it without cracks? Because it would be easy for the potter to cover up a crack with a little bit of uh, clay fire that, but then there's, a, there's that imperfection in it that as you start using it, it's going to collapse. It's going to leak or it's going to break. And so to be sincere is to be uh, without cracks, to have integrity, authentically, genuinely trustworthy. This is what the wisdom of God is all about. This is what comes from setting our hearts and minds on what is above. And so we understand that the mind is the seat of consciousness, the essence of your being. What do you want to shape that? The things from above or things that are compromised that would be earthly. Not that anything necessarily on earth is bad. It says, for God so loved the world, right? God loves the world. God, God created this earth. And yet the world being fallen and broken and bent means that we need to be discerning and wise in, in, in what we fill our heads and our hearts with. And that's why God calls us to set our things, our hearts and minds on things above. Now, when all brain functions cease, you are clinically dead. But until we're actually made alive again in Christ, we're, we're functionally dead, spiritually. And yet, uh, when our brain functions, uh, you are clinically dead, right? One of the hardest decisions I've been asked to make was, uh, was I willing and ready to pull the plug uh, on my mom? I'm the eldest of five kids. We're sitting around in a room, and the doctor comes in and says, you know, the last 10 days, your mom has been suffering from a cerebral hemorrhage. She's 49 years old. She's had a series of smaller strokes since then. And we think uh, her brain is dead. Are you ready to unplug her? Uh, these machines could keep her alive, but functionally she's dead. It's a heartbreaking decision to have to make. And, and the neurologists do a series of tests, and then they repeat those tests you know, six hours later to determine is this is this truly the case and in my mom's case she actually naturally died so we didn't have to make that decision um, that's that's a horrific situation to be in and people have to face this every day but even until you even get to that point the question is how alive is your mind are you alive to the things of god how are you using your brain again are you are you filling it and feeding it with good things. Um, which raises a question too, in, in terms of the fact that the brain supports the functions of your mind and those functions can cease. Uh, 
through natural causes. Does your mind cease to exist when your brain dies? It's an intriguing question for another occasion to explore. Um, but we see examples in the New Testament and the Old Testament indicating that there is continuity of life and of consciousness following the death of our bodies. After all, we have been raised with Christ. That assumes that we, we have a life beyond this life, a consciousness beyond this life. Uh, we see other examples, Jesus saying to the thief on the cross with him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, this person's going to die on this cross. How can they be with you? Uh, that must be through their, their mind, their consciousness. We call them a soul and spirit. We have been raised with Christ. So the first point was this. Setting your mind on Christ is giving him your attention as you nav- navigate life. Are you doing that? If, if you need help doing that, there's all kinds of resources to help you do that. The second point is this. Our God-given brain allows us to train the mind that God gave us. You can actually improve uh, your mental processes. Perhaps you already know this. Uh, in Christ, we can apply our minds to honor God and bless people. We can become wise in how we perceive the world and function in it. That is, we can mature, we can grow, we can get better at navigating our way through the world. A jury uh, has committed himself to do that. He is making progress in his capacity, his ability to navigate the world. He still uses the book. It gives him specific step-by-step instructions, but he's getting better at it. He's more experienced at it. He's more comfortable in his own skin. He's finding ways to cope. Are you? Are you? Uh, We do this through thoughtful Bible study, through uh, biblical meditation, uh, through memorization. Why do we fixate so much on, on the Word of God? Because that's the content that God has given us, uh, made, made alive and real to us through His Holy Spirit in us, allowing us to navigate our way and discern our way through the world. The knowledge that we get from God and His Word allows us to make sense of and to properly order the knowledge that we accumulate in all kinds of other ways, through life experiences, uh, through things that we see, the things that we read um, and learn. So uh, doing this through Bible study and Bible meditation and Bible memorization goes right along with us being curious about the world within us, who are we inside, and the world around us. One of the scariest frontiers for most people is not going out and doing amazing things in the wilderness or in the water uh, or in the sky. It's that inner journey that's frightening for many people. To look at some of the stuff in us uh, that feels scary close. So often the response when you ask somebody how they're doing, who they are inside is, or how they're feeling is fine. Feelings inside not expressed. Or if they're really having big feelings, they want to project those feelings and, and maybe um, uh, scapegoat them on somebody else. But going inside of ourselves and that process of, and journey of discovery is a very scary thing. And it's that level of curiosity It allows us to move from an imaginary life, making stuff up, lying to ourselves, lying to others, to an imaginative life where we're saying, hey, what could life be as I come to understand what it means to feel and to respond to those feelings, uh, to make commitments, to grow in my knowledge and capacity to live well? That that inner journey is so powerful and profound. And our God-given brain allows us to train our mind in that process. And that process of discovery with the help of counselors or mentors, wise guides, 
uh, inspiring moments, significant relationships, right? We do this professionally, don't we? We go through processes of learning a craft, learning a skill, learning a trade, learning a practice. Why wouldn't we do that spiritually? We must do this if we're going to stay alive to the wonder of this world. Otherwise, we're going to become cynical. Uh, we're going to become depressed. And we're going to become uh, dispirited in a way that we feel like there's nothing to live for. I love the way Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 26. He says, as, as, as speaking to the Lord, you keep in perfect peace those whose minds are focused because they trust in you. You keep, Lord, in perfect peace those who, whose minds are focused on you and trust in you. And then Psalm 139, uh, David says it this way, how precious to me are your gifts, are your thoughts, God. It's as if they're a big gift given. How precious to me are your thoughts, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. So our God-given brain allows us to train the mind God gave us, which leads to the third and final point. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I said, our, our minds are broken. Our, our brains are broken. Our minds are bent. Uh, we have all kinds of disconnects mentally, even if you're functioning at a high level. And God wants to renew our capacity to be what he created us to be. People whose hearts are filled with the love of God. People whose minds are filled with the thoughts of God. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with the term mind hacking. Uh, mind hacking is a positive term, not a negative term. Uh, hacking, I know, has a negative connotation. Uh, but in this, sense, uh, in this case, hacking is, hey, how do we get the most out of the program? And so mind hacking is a useful discipline and tool for optimizing your productivity. There's all kinds of really neat uh, things being discovered and, and developed that allow us to get more out of our minds and out of our brains. All good. No downside to that. This is a God-given capacity in every person that we can learn and we can grow. But our minds need more than optimization. Our minds need transformation. So it's a great thing to have a more nimble mind, a more agile mind, a more orderly mind, greater mastery over the way that we engage life. But without it being transformed, what are we? We're dead. We're, for all practical purposes, uh, we're spiritually dead. We're existing and not really living. As impressive as it is to optimize and maximize your brain power, um, but for God being the Lord over our minds, it'll never be what it's potentially possible to be. And so even in the case of somebody who has diminished capacities in their brain, Having a mind for Christ makes all the difference. And for those who have what seem to be unlimited capacities uh, of brain power, to have a mind for Christ makes all the difference as well. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12 saying this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a, it's a rational process. It's spiritually possible. Because the Spirit of God is in us. Because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that we've been raised with Him. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Paul then writes to the Philippians in, in chapter 4. Uh, we see this in, in Philippians 4 verses 6 to 8. Do not be anxious about anything then. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. Open your mind to God. Don't just sit there and stew in your own juices. Your mind going over and over, 80% negative thoughts every day, day after day. Rather, uh, break that up, disrupt that loop. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding. It's so big you can't quite understand it or explain it adequately. But you can experience it deeply. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally then, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about such things. That's powerful. We can frame them as questions. Is this true? Is this noble? Is this right? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is it admirable? Is this excellent? Is this worthy of praise? Those are the things I want to think about. That's not putting us out of touch with reality. That's allowing us to embrace and be embraced by, to be filled with reality. And that reality is the, is the presence of God. Not just in, in the universe, in this world, but in us. Connecting us to the kingdom of God. This movement of God uh, through human history that is redeeming and transforming people it will result in a new heaven and a new earth. Doesn't that make your mind just go nuts with the imaginative possibilities? This is not an, an imaginary construct, you know, make-believe. This is imaginative. This is what we are created to be. This is what we are created to do. So are you anxious? Pray. Are you ready to grow and to go deep with God? Think about such things. We don't uh, need to be able to explain it, to experience it. Think about that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've given us a capacity to think, to think your thoughts after you, to be transformed in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our experience of life by your abiding presence in us. I thank you for each one listening to this message. I, I pray that you'd use the content of your word in creative ways to engage our hearts and minds we might be in a relationship with you that is truly transformational, that blesses us and blesses people through us, that honors and glorifies you, that restores all creation, that prepares us for a new heaven and a new earth. We pray this, the high and holy name of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead and who has raised us up with him. Amen. Well, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.